FinTech Hunting is hosted by Michael Hammett, JD, CMT, keynote speaker, author, and founder and president of Next Level Advisors. Join Michael as he seeks out tech visionaries, leading lenders, trailblazing executives, and other financial influencers to bring you actionable insights and lead generation tactics, all centered around industry greatness and success. We would like to thank our 2022 FinTech Hunting Sponsors, Encelerate, Equifax, WFG Enterprise Solutions, CoreLogic, BeSmarty, Anomaly Squared, SourcePoint, Total Expert, and Next Level Advisors. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new episode of the FinTech Hunting Podcast. We have a very special guest for you today. She's an industry thought leader. She's an expert in financial services. She's an economist. She knows all things numbers as it relates to financial services. Please help me welcome Selma Help, Executive Deputy Chief Economist at CoreLogic. Selma, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. I love that introduction. I feel very powerful right now. <laughs> oh, well, you certainly are, and it is great to have you. So, Selma, for our listeners who haven't had a chance to speak with you or hear a lot of the incredible insights that you share, tell us a little bit about your background professionally and specifically what do you do at CoreLogic? Sure, I'll start with CoreLogic. So, I've been with CoreLogic for two and a half years as Deputy Chief Economist, and uh, here at CoreLogic, I have a team of uh, about six people, and we take our CoreLogic data assets and we provide thought leadership pieces. We uh, analyze the data. We try to dig out uh, trends, uh, try to find turning points in the housing market, try to understand what's happening uh, overall in the property, uh, property markets world. Uh, before CoreLogic, I was a chief economist at a company called Pacific Union. It was a Bay Area brokerage company, real estate brokerage company that was uh, acquired by Compass Real Estate. So I think that's now a much better known name than what Pacific Union was. And then prior to that, I was a uh, uh, chief economist at Trulia. Uh, I was also a, an economist at the California Association of Realtors and then um, economist at, at the National Association of Realtors. And then I actually spent some time working at HUD. Uh, when I was uh, working on my PhD uh, at the University of Maryland. Fantastic. Like I said, you have a wealth of knowledge and expertise. We are so happy to have you on the show today. So, you. you know, CoreLogic has been in the property data business for years. They dealt with billions of lines and pieces of data. Talk to me a little bit about how important it is to have accurate data so that you can give uh, economic analysis and how you perform that analysis. How critical is it to have that data and have, more importantly, that accurate data? Right. I mean, so data accuracy and data frequency is so highly valuable right now in our fast changing world. I mean, this became particularly obvious during the pandemic 
where with the shutdowns and not knowing what's going to happen and having sort of the worst outlook uh, for the economy and the housing market, we really wouldn't have known where we were if it wasn't for that, uh, what we call high frequency data. And that's what we have at CoreLogic. So basically, you know, we're able on a daily basis to observe trends that are happening in the housing market and to determine, again, you know, I mentioned, um, sorry. I mentioned the um, the turning points uh, in um, uh, being able to observe uh, turning points in the in the market sooner. Um, so, you know, as a result of the data we're, that we have, we really are able to then be the thought leaders uh, in the housing market. And, and so in addition to the high frequency data that we have uh, from MLS, for example, we have other data uh, that allows us to uh, look at the, what's happening in the housing market, such as mortgage data, such as mortgage application data. Um, so in addition to looking at where home sales are happening, we're able to observe where people are applying from and moving to. So we're uh, able to observe migration trends as well. And then uh, another thing that's, you know, was very interesting, it's very interesting, particularly in light of a lot of the hazards and a lot of the uh, climate change things and, and you know, uh, natural hazards that are, that are happening. We're able to observe um, mortgage trends information. So if, if people, if there is a uh, hurricane that comes through an area and people lose jobs and they're not able to pay their mortgage, you know, we're able to keep track on what's happening uh, with those mortgages as well. So we have a wealth of information that really allows us to, to keep a pulse on the market. All right, well, let's start talking a little bit about the market. You know, I mean, homes are being snapped up almost instantly in a number of different geographies and demographic areas. Do you think this is due exclusively to economic factors or is there a technical element that makes it possible for the buying process to occur before a lot of properties ever even go on the market? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, I think there are both th both factors at play right now. On one hand, we do have macroeconomic factors that led to surge in demand over the last couple of years during the pandemic. But on the other hand, we have had technological advances where, you know, we're as a buyer, as a consumer, able to find out much sooner that the home is, you know, coming soon, say, you know, that was one of the things that, that, uh, that transpired uh, out of my work at uh, Compass. But coming soon uh, uh, you, uh, you know so so homes are uh, uh, consumers are informed much sooner about homes coming on the market and so they are able to make offers and to start the whole mortgage process much sooner than they used to in the past where in the past you know you would your your realtor would let you know hey there, there's a home for sale then you you would go look at it you would go uh, then apply for a mortgage now you can do, do it all virtually you know so if, if you even if you see a home that's in another state in another country you're able to do a virtual tour you're able to use ai in the process so everything has now led to much more expeditious process of buying a home well and that technology from those examples that you've given has clearly changed kind of the property data ecosystem of access to information the breadth of information that's available like you said you can do a whole virtual tour you can already get pre-qualified for the mortgage you can do the whole walkthrough and all of that can happen i don't want to say instantaneously but very very quickly compared to waiting to your real estate agent says hey, here's a new listing. Do you have time to see it this evening or this weekend? Yeah. 
things can happen very, very quickly. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, not only are home buyers trying to get into homes and everything like that, and they have tools at their disposal, but let's talk about the emergence of iBuyers and other sources of sales data outside of, you know, the MLS altered. So how does that impact what's going on in the market? Well, yeah, so competition for real estate asset has intensified incredibly over the last few years. On one hand, this has to do with changes in the tax code, so some incentives there for large corporations to own real estate. On the other hand, there are macroeconomic conditions. So the the whole, uh, the number of people out there looking for homes has intensified. But one uh, recent, relatively recent emergence in a sense that there are so many more firms out there now trying to buy homes that are non-traditional buyers, as you said, I buyers. Going trend that has buyers, you know, snapping up homes as soon as they're on the market. Do you think this is due exclusively to economic factors? Is there technic- uh, technological factors? And how do I buyers factor into that? Right. So, you know, um, during the pandemic, uh, we didn't only have an increase in traditional buyers, but we also had an increase in iBuyers. And technology certainly helped uh, with that increase because uh, iBuyers were able to obtain uh, home valuation uh, models and understand what's happening in the housing market uh, without having to even go into those homes. So on one hand, we had an increase in buyers uh, such as, uh, you know, millennial buyers, such as buyers buying second homes um, or investment properties. And then we had also an increase in iBuyers I from those companies that are just remotely, in a sense, buying homes. And so all of that actually led to increased competition in the real estate market. And so we have uh, private equity firms acquiring housing. We have c- consumers looking to move to more affordable areas or areas uh, where um, they can work remotely. And then we had inflation alongside of all of this, um, which impacted the, you know, the ability, how much a, a home buyer can, can buy. And so they were looking to, for more affordable um, locations. So all of the taken together uh, led to home price appreciation rates that we haven't seen since back in 2000 and uh, before the 2008 uh, uh, housing crisis. So we've had an incredible surge in home uh, activity uh, due to not only macroeconomic factors, like you said, but also technological advances. Let's talk a little bit about with these iBuyers and other sources of sales data, that's traditionally outside of MLS. So how has that impacted your ability to gather and analyze data on the housing market? Right. So that's one advantage of CoreLogic data uh, sources, for example, is that we not only have MLS data, but we have property records data and all uh, uh, housing transactions, all transfers of uh, real estate ownership take place or are recorded through property records data. So we are able to observe uh, these iBuyer transactions uh, through our uh, property records data. And as a result of all of this, we've actually developed a uh, investor um, uh indicators. So in our uh, data, we're able to track if one is an investor buyer or if they're just, uh, you know, 
traditional buyer. And so that's how we were able to observe a surge in investor activity over the last year. So, you know, just to give you some context, uh, before the before the pandemic, um, investor presence was about 15 to 18 percent of total home purchase activity. That share increased to almost 30 percent and in some markets was as much as 40 percent during the, the pandemic. And we are able to, uh, again, track all of this with our property records data and core logic. So as you start tracking that, what kind of impact has that had on the market? So I'm Joe, home buyer. I'm trying to get my first home. And they don't even, I don't even know about the presence of these iBuyers. I don't know that this is taking place. What does that mean for the market going forward and the typical buyers, the first time home buyers versus all of these iBuyers and other people competing for the same homes? Right. Unfortunately, that has created more challenging conditions for traditional buyers, particularly first time buyers, because they don't have that cash uh, to come in and, and, you know, do an all cash purchase, nor they, do they have very large down payments to uh, to make themselves competitive. So, you know, I think during the pandemic or during this time when we had a surge in investor activity, um, or just overall increase in, in, in interest in home buying activity uh, that has impacted first time home buyers and, you know, our, our average Joes, like you said. Um, but, you know, as a result, too, there's been some new models out there and technologies can certainly help with that, uh, that are trying to help people come into the market. So we have different co-ownership models or we have companies that are trying to provide people with down payment assistance programs or they have, um, you know, they, they buy home together and, uh, you know, with the appreciation, keeps some rate of appreciation, but help people buy their home or they will help people who are equity rich, for example, where they can uh, they own a home and they have a lot of equity. But in order to extract that equity, they have to sell a home. But it's very hard to sell a home if there is nothing else to buy there or if there is that uncertainty right. of what is. Uh, so they're helping people through that transition process. And, you know, a lot of these tech companies nowadays are trying to help facilitate that process and help people help that velocity in the market and help people buy homes. Excellent. We've talked about technology some, and there's a lot of great technology that has automated processes. It's helped people secure mortgage closing deals. The whole goal is to speed up the overall transaction process. What is your data telling you of have those tools really sped up the process? Have they impacted the market? Or is that still something that we're still searching to get to? Yeah, I mean, I certainly do think that it has sped up the process and we're seeing that in the data. So, for example, if you look at days on market, um, you know, that has gone from 30 days to some 12 days at, you know, when the market was most competitive, you know, and cash transactions certainly help with that because if you have a cash, you don't have to go through a mortgage transaction. But mortgage companies have become much more efficient in going through the process of appraisal. So now you have automated appraisal and you have these companies that have fully vertically integrated uh, technological platforms that provide that end-to-end -end solutions. And then, you know, once when a consumer comes onto the platform, they are able to go through an entire process of, you know, submitting their documents, uh, verifying income, uh, getting the appraisal, 
or getting even the inspections all within this one uh, uh, integrated uh, platform. Excellent. And in your view, what other ways has the emergence of property tech influenced market statistics? Right. I, I think it's it's in a lot of ways it has confused us at first because, you know, um, so much is happening that we are not sure when we're looking at the data, we're not exactly sure what is happening. And so I'll give you an example with these investor purchases. You know, there are companies now that are purchasing homes for people. I, I mentioned uh, when when people have when they're equity rich and they have a lot of equity in their home and they want to transition. So now uh, 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 now it's company, a tech company is going to come in, purchase their home, give them cash and help them buy that other home. And in our data, that can uh, come through looking as an investor, but it's not necessarily an investor. It's just somebody trying to facilitate a purchase. So, uh, you know, so there are these things that are happening that we're not able to observe necessarily, or we're not exactly sure what we are yet observing in the market. Gotcha. Let's talk briefly. Can you talk about the emergence of blockchain in the industry? And do you feel that this has helped make transactions more tamper-proof and reduce the prevalence of mortgage fraud? Right. I mean, I think you, we still have, you know, blockchain is still in some way in, in nascent stages of, of yeah. utilization in many industries. Um, and, you know, we do still see a lot of mortgage fraud out there, you know, and mortgage fraud stems from many things. There's, you know, income uh, falsification, there's identity fraud, there is uh, in unemployment uh, or employment inconsistency, there is undisclosed debt, there's all kinds of things. But I think what a blockchain is helping a lot is with this um, um, uh, credit uh, scoring or risk scoring. So uh, it's, uh, you know, there are companies out there that are building a protocol that are managing to identify the risk and credit score people using blockchain technology because everything that their entire financial history is basically being tracked in this, this blockchain technology. You know, and then one of the more obvious uh, utilizations is in the um, title uh, or uh, transfer of deeds or property deeds, liens and, and land titles. Um, and so I, I think that's one of the other uses. But I think going forward, we'll, we're definitely going to see more blockchain technology being used. So uh, actually, there was an interesting um, piece I recently read about use of um, uh, blockchain in tokenization of real estate ownership. So basically, a real estate asset is converted converted into a virtual token, uh, and then the uh, tokens are then sold for sale. So there was a, a an offering in 2020 where uh, security tokens that represented a fractional ownership of a luxury property in Colorado were sold off and on an exchange platform, um, and that was basically a blockchain platform selling tokens. Uh, of, of, of real estate uh, ownership. And so um, this this article actually suggested that tokener, tokenized real estate could uh, be as much as $1.4 trillion valued uh, asset by 2026 by only tokenizing 0.5% of the current uh, real estate market globally. So it's, you know, it's a lot out there to, that that's going to uh, be happening going forward in terms of uh, uh, chain blockchain and tokenization.
Absolutely. Fantastic statistics and really amazing. I had not heard that example before, so I'm glad you shared that with our listeners. How do you envision increased automation affecting the housing market in the future? You know, whether it's finding a house, buying a house, insuring a house, where do you see that impacting it going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think in so many ways. So, you know, I mentioned access to cash, uh, you know, by, by people that have uh, equity in their cash. And, the, you know, then you, being able to utilize that cash, uh, uh, you know, to you know, whether, whether maybe help kids uh, with a down payment for, for you know, for th their own home. Uh, there's also um, um, companies that, uh, out there that help people um, build um, equity through rent to own programs, right? So they're, they're renting and in the same, uh, pro at the same time building uh, equity uh, because some of that rent is going towards ownership and then um, but uh, there are so many uh, uh, there's so many um, developments in the market. So in terms of the insurance market, for example, uh, we are able to, so much better to do property scoring because we have that satellite imagery and, and all this uh, data about the composition of the property distance from certain hazards or just uh, understanding height, uh, of, you know, in terms of flood risk, for example. So we are ha better able to understand financial risk and have forensics, forensics to understand financial impacts of climate change, for example. Um, and then, you know, in terms of the uh, commercial, for example, commercial real estate, you know, just asset utilization, how do you co-work or co-share space? You know, this can be also applied in, in residential space because, you know, like Airbnb is one of the example because now you can much better utilize an asset because you're able to use technology to um, have people, you know, continuously um, rent that property. Um, so, um, yeah, so I, th I mean, there's just so many ways that people are, will be able to buy and utilize that real estate and, and, and just, um, you know, just, and, and the process is going to be so much more, uh, more efficient going forward. Someone, you have so many great insights. You have such access to so many different data points. Any other trends that you want to share? Any other observations that you see in the market uh, as we wind down this year of 2020 and kind of a little bit of what's on the horizon for 2023? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we are in a transition stage and transition stage is always um, uncomfortable, can be scary. Um, and so we've seen significant slowing of uh, activity in the housing market, and that has brought uh, on a lot of questions about, um, you know, what's going to happen in the housing market. But I think, you know, the underlying fundamentals are so very, still very strong, and U.S. consumer is still very strong, certainly much stronger than it was uh, last time we had a, a, a an uncomfortable uh, uh, financial event, such as the, you know, the great financial crisis. Uh, and, and so I, I think, you know, while the housing market will slow, while the home appreciation will slow, and that will raise some flags, I think that will provide a lot of opportunities for people that were not able to participate in the market, such as you know our average household with not a lot of income, with not a lot of down payment, um, and and 
you know, they will be able to come into the market and, and you know, maybe purchase a home or hopefully purchase a home. Um, and, and all of these technological advances that we've seen in the housing market are actually helping those guys as well. Um, and, and so I think, you know, overall, my, my outlook for the housing market is much it's it's actually really uh, positive. You know, I think we just need to go through this period of um, readjustment from from a time where everything was overheated. You know, it, 2021 uh, housing market was unsustainable. And so right. we had to move away from that. And, and so I think we're just moving in a more of balanced, uh, um, balanced market between, between buyers and sellers. Selma, you have shared so many great insights. I know our listeners are going to go take notes. Thank you so much for being a guest on this episode of the FinTech Hunting Podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. Are you struggling to keep up with record origination volumes? From property valuation and appraisal to title insurance and closing services, WFG Enterprise Solutions provides flexible mortgage origination services that address your organization's needs head-on. By taking the time to understand how you run your business, WFG can create solutions that save you time and money on every transaction. That's why WFG consistently earns Net Promoter's world-class ranking for customer satisfaction. Innovative solutions, world-class customer satisfaction. Get to know WFG today at WFGLS.com. Tired of logging into different systems to check your loan pipeline? Ready to update your processes to meet today's digital borrowers? Now you can with BeSmarty's all-in-one mortgage technology solution. Save yourself time and money and wow your borrowers. Find out how at BeSmarty.com. FinTech Hunting is brought to you by Next Level Advisors. Next Level Advisors, where businesses come to grow. Are you looking to close more loans in 2021? Experience accelerates award-winning customer engagement platform featuring lead management, CRM, call routing, sales enablement, marketing automation, borrower engagement, and data intelligence through innovative use of multi-channel marketing, text, social media, email, direct mail, phone, ringless voicemail, retargeting, and so much more. Incelerate, helping lenders close more loans through better borrower engagement. Schedule your personal demo today at Incelerate.com. What does instant mean to you when it comes to income and employment verification? With the demand for loans increasingly being met with a competitive edge, lenders should turn towards automation. A key way lenders can move digital is by leveraging instant income and the employment data from the work number, which helps them keep pace in an era where every day brings new challenges. To learn more, visit theworknumber.com. Anomaly Squared Call Center Outsourcing Services. Our well-trained agents handle mortgage industry inbound calls and outbound leads, proven to help you reach and close more borrowers by utilizing a live transfer process. Learn how we can help at AnomalySquared.com. <laughs>